Masterpiece. <laughs> okay, something's gotta give is probably oh no, it's definitely Nancy Meyer's best film. Like objectively her best film. I think it's you know such a perfect movie start to finish. Um just like whatever you want from a romantic comedy starring Diane Keaton and Jack Nixon at that age. It's exactly what that is. Alright, hello everyone. Welcome to another episode of a podcast directed by... We are, by the end of this episode, we'll be at the halfway point of our journey through Nancy Unfortunately. Myers. Yeah. Unfortunately. Why don't have the output of Scorsese where we could do... Well, if she did, we would do three months. We would do everything. Yes. We will, we'll come back and reboot this podcast when we're 80, and we will <laughs> go through all of her movies, Mike. I will give you that promise. So... The movie we are going to cover is Something's Gotta Give, starring Jack Nicholson and Diane Keaton, and also, you know, Keanu Reeves, I guess, plays an important role here. So this is a movie that I had not seen uh, before we started this podcast, and I gotta tell you, Mike, this might be my favorite romantic comedy. What? I loved it. I loved every minute of this. You? You old ageist you? I want to watch it again. Like, I was so entertained. I think. Wait on, a minute. Wait a minute. What? I just saw it scroll across picture on IMDb. You know, it flips through the, the uh-huh. pictures on its own. Uh-huh. Keanu Reeves as the uh, the young stud comes up. That's it. That's that has to be the uh, the first and only reason that you love this movie no, so much. No, actually, I feel like Keanu Reeves is the weak link in this movie. I feel what? like that that character. What is wrong with you? Last episode, <laughs> I tried to get you to go on a stakeout with me outside Judy Greer's home. <laughs> You you were appalled. Like, I would never do such a thing. Now you're telling me Keanu Reeves is, like, a horrible piece of shit. No, that's not what I'm saying. I'm saying it's it's an underwritten character. It's basically just there so she can have her moment with a younger man to compare with Jack and his younger woman. He's like a that's... stiff one with a nice smile. I mean, I can't argue that point. That's... <laughs> Absolutely. You like how I'm trying to checkmate you? It's yes, wrong I do. I'm just I'm <laughs> dodging, I'm bobbing and weaving. I'm trying, trying to stay out of the way here. Um, there are a lot of things in this movie that I feel like shouldn't work that do. To start with, you have Jack Nicholson. You know, he's dating Amanda Pete. He's dating a younger woman. As you know, and this is again what I meant about how Nancy Myers knows exactly who her stars are. Jack Nicholson has also been accused of this behavior throughout his entire his entire life. He's always dated younger women. So we have... He's the only one. Yes, yes. <laughs> so we have that buy-in already. Like, okay, this makes sense. This is a guy who would date a younger woman. But that younger woman also happens to be Diane Keaton's daughter. And yet, throughout this entire movie, I am rooting for Diane Keaton and Jack Nicholson to end up together. The entire time. As soon as, like, basically as soon as he has his heart attack and he goes back to be kind of nursed back to health at her house, even when they split up later in the movie and she's off, you know, having a great time with Keanu Reeves, you know, having dinner in France, like, I am still actively... You said that such disgust, like... Well, it's not disgust, it's the fact that I feel like there's... If you had told me the plot of this movie before, I wouldn't have thought I'd be rooting for these two to be together. 
but they work so well together. Their chemistry is off the charts from the very beginning that I am just like totally on board for Harry and Erica to be together forever. I love them. They're great. Well, I wish you had been there with me when I saw this with my uh, good buddy, Jared. Yes, tell uh, me of your shame, please. So this came out, and I'm, I guess I'm like 21 when this came out. So I think it was a holiday season release, and I can't remember. I feel like About Schmidt follows this. So we, mm-hmm. I don't think we were in full-on sad bastard Jack yet. Not yet. Or, Not yet. Um, so I see the trailers for this. And my friend Jared loves Jack Nicholson. And it seems like the easy hook here is man who just mows him down 20 somethings like <laughs> in his senior in his golden years. Uh, something, you know, befalls them, uh, the old ticker, and he is trapped like James Conn of misery <laughs> with this shriveled up old hag, Diane Keaton. And he is tortured, and we all point and laugh at him. Like, so that's his just desserts, right? For, having, mm. for fucking too much. And uh, so me and Jared go to this, thinking it's going to be that sort of comedy. And um, we get to... I guess we, you know, we, we've actually gone along with the film enough. Like you, we're, uh, we're, we're now like, we've turned. We're like, hey, this Diane Keaton. This, this seems like a good thing. Maybe, mm-hmm. maybe this isn't a horror movie where he's trapped maybe maybe he stays maybe he falls for this one i think it's a horror movie if he ends up maybe trapped by francis mcdormand who like pulls a knife on him when she first meets him well that's the difference between me and you that's immediately like a turn on for me where i was like "Ooh, (laughs) who is this (laughs) i like i like what she's putting out there (laughs) she drew a blade on me as a means of introduction um <laughs> so we're sitting there and there's an inevitable breakup, right? Not and it's not even your normal breakup, it's just that when Nicholson's character recuperates, he they're adults, he has to go back home. He has to take care of his affairs, he's got his like I guess record business empire, whatever. And it's not left like we were two ships in the night. It's left like this is the start of something. Mm-hmm. Like and that's it. <laughs> and of course, through movie magic, she has to like go to New York and like be happen to be in the same restaurant that Jack's in, and he brings in his usual, I guess, off the menu twenty something like <laughs> model, and they break up. So I, I, I'm not trying to skip over stuff. I'm just no. setting the scene for me and my you know twenty year old friend. That's like you know we want to see Jack have good times, and they've the movie Nancy Myers, the queen. I will say I'm glad I saw this movie at forty. And not at 20. I think it's a different experience. Very different. Yeah. Um, she, But she has convinced these this 20-year-old, this 21-year-old, that Diane Keaton, that's where it's at now. And we've we've not settled, but we've been taken to a different place. Mm-hmm. But then we get slapped in the back of the head with this breakup out of nowhere, which it's a rom-com, so you should expect it. But I think it's sort of unexpected how it happens. Yeah. Like it's just accidental. It's not like usually you see the two characters sort of pushing each other to places that are not totally comfortable. And like one of them like sort of throws in the towel, but Diane Keaton, of course being Diane Keaton, like I I read that she did a bit of improv in the breakup sequence where she like kisses Nicholson and he didn't expect it at all. Mm. And they just left that take in, which I think is like, it's a good moment. Yeah. Uh, And, but then she like, she says her line, like this is heartbreak. You know, this is what I'm, what I'm showing to you right now is heartbreak. Like you, do you understand that? Do you feel it? 
So me and my buddy are like kind of slinking in our seat. We're like, oh, this isn't, this is a bit much. Like it's, you know, Christmas season. <laughs> and the next sequences are her finishing her play through the experience of heartbreak. She's put herself out there. Uh, the screaming, crying. Scream, <laughs> crying for days. Yeah. And we are surrounded. We didn't really like take our bearings. It's like the sequence in Chasing Amy where Jason Lee <laughs> realizes he's in a lesbian bar. Uh, yes. Me and my buddy Jerry start looking around. It is nothing but women who uh, would be age appropriate for the Nicholson character. But until very recently, he would never bat an eye their way. And they are bawling. They are doing their own version. Mm. It is like, Oh my God. It is like the spoiler alert for a, uh, for midsummer. It is like the end of midsummer. <laughs> it's a great reference. Yes. Me and Jared, can you imagine me and Jared? Like, 20. You know, Jared, me, at 20 and 21 and we are slinking our chairs and we're like, this is some sort of religious experience <laughs> for all these old broads. And we have got to get the fuck out of here. Like we, we're, <laughs> we're going to be attacked. <laughs> we're gonna be, Like we shouldn't be here. And they're going to know, like, it's like, you know, eyes wide shut. We don't know the, the house <laughs> password. Like they're going to reveal us, like get out of here. Like you, you, you have invaded our privacy. Most shameful experience I've ever had. Like, I felt like I should not be in a theater that I paid a ticket for gladly. Because it touched something primal that me and Jared, we had no idea. Like we we, we had no life experience for that. So, so I'm my, assuming you were scream crying at 40. So I wanted to ask you something. How does that scene read to you now, in your late 30s as opposed to your 20s? Because I will I reveal that is the one sequence in the movie I don't like. I feel well, like I it's too much. Didn't like it then. I feel like I it's too much. Like it. I feel like it's overdone and. I feel like you could cut that sequence in half and it's nowhere near as off-putting as it is. Because <laughs> as it happens, you're like, okay, she's very upset. I get that. But it just, it stops being emotionally engaging and just starts being very silly. And I'm just sitting there kind of like, are we going to wrap this crying up? Like, let's let's move on to publishing your play, please. Like, I we, think it, we get it. You're fucking sad. Like, for me now, honestly, I think it only works at the length that she gives us. Like if it's just one cry, but I think as I said in the previous episode, I think Nancy Myers, there's a little more Francis McDormand in her than Mm -hmm. these other characters. But I think she, she, she wants to remind them of their own sort of frailties and failures. And like, there's the comfort food aspect of it where it's like, everyone goes through this. Like it's, it's, mm-hmm. it's okay. And it's okay to like look stupid. It's okay to wear turtlenecks and be called out for it. And if you want to rip them off during passionate sex, do that too. That's, you know, that, cause that's stupid as well. Right. But it's like under the guise of this, like you do stupid things for romance, mm-hmm. but during heartbreak, I don't know. I feel like in movies in particular, like the only way I can think of uh, high fidelity of John Cusack, actually probably a lot of John Cusack movies, he made a career out of making a show out of being ridiculous in a breakup. Mm-hmm. Uh, what's the eighties movie? We're better off dead. Better off dead. Where, mm-hmm. um, and I feel like Nancy Myers does not treat, she doesn't treat <laughs> a, a, a woman character differently than a man. And sometimes she heightens it to the point where it's like, no, no, we're not these, like we're not these frail creatures who like, if we have a cry, that someone needs to come there and catch us. Like right. sometimes you need to work out your own shit, have mm-hmm. the ugly cry face and do it for days. If you must. Now, if you'd asked me at 21, I would have <laughs> said, I never, never want to get to a point where I like 
understand this or like <laughs> vouch for it at all. But now I think I think I think it going so broad is the only way I could play it. It is very broad, is <laughs> for sure. One of the things you kind of touched on, which I loved about this movie, is it's so rare to see two older actors have a sex scene that's not purely paid, played for laughs. It's a really endearing, emotionally connected scene. And I was well, like, this is this is beautiful. Like these two actors connecting like this in this moment. Like you brought up about Schmidt. <laughs> like, you know, not so much with Kathy Bates. That's purely played for shock value and for laughs. And I'm glad that this isn't... I mean, the only shock value moment in this movie maybe is when he sees her naked accidentally. Uh, but other than that, it's just like, no, this is a nice moment for these two people. Yeah, I, I like that Nancy Myers is a, you know, she's all for equality uh, in that regard because the female form here, I, I'm struggling to think of another sequence where you, an attractive woman, Diane Keaton, not unattractive, nope. uh, where someone accidentally peers through a window and sees like the f- nude female form. And you have Jack Nicholson's response of, oh, God, I wish I'd... Oh, God. Backing into the wall. <laughs> like... But it's not played much differently than his uh, naked ass in the hospital, where nope. it's like... But we're we're trained as moviegoers. I've always, I've always, like, sort of wondered, like... <laughs> I mean, I guess in other ways, but, like, what is it to be either a gay man... Or or a, a woman who likes just a straight woman that just likes seeing the male form and doesn't find it necessarily funny. Like, there are very few movies that actually approach male nudity at all mm-hmm. as anything but absurd. That, like, you know, the seeing a penis can only be used in comedies. Right. Like, cannot cannot be used in any way to be erotic. And so Nancy Myers, of all people, is the one that's like, you know what? Naked woman, naked attractive woman kind of goofy yeah can be goofy we're we all do goofy that. it's fine yeah but i will die in the hill that diane keaton in this movie is super hot and can get it i I get what keanu reeves is is going for here i also like that keanu reeves is not it's not like he has some like a fetish for older women like <laughs> well he brings up the fact <laughs> yes, like dude. i've i've tried to be with other women like my own age and that doesn't work, but I feel like I have a connection with you. I like that. Yeah, I, I'm very glad that she's not going into David Lynch territory where he's like <laughs> going into a hospital room and like <laughs> putting on a mask. <laughs> you know? No, no, I kind of want to see that movie now. That's It's a very um, different movie, Mike. Yeah, I mean, he just, um, yeah, he just treats it as if, uh, you know, she's she's hot. Why wouldn't he? Yeah. She's hot and she's very talented and she he respects her work. Like and he's his, a fan. Yeah, yeah. He's, he's there's a little bit of that, like you know, not star fucking because he's not trying to get somewhere, but he's just like Jesus Christ, who wouldn't? Like you know, right. you know who just walked in this room? I I, I love how everyone, everyone that's around her, like even Francis McDormand, who's like oh, you should do that. They don't, <laughs> they don't respond to her like fame or success. Right. They're just like they they actually treat him as like that piece of meat. Like yep. look, look how young he is. Like it's like he's hot. You should hit yeah. that. Like it's very it's interesting because I think in mainstream romantic comedies you don't see that very often. Where those three women, you could very easily transpose that in another movie, and that would be three guys, like ogling this <laughs> this person and be like, yeah bro she's into you you should totally hit that like mm-hmm. regardless of like who's out of whose range or whatever like i like the fact that you have three women just like appreciating the beauty that is keanu reeves because he's a beautiful man 
And like you don't have enough of that, I think, in mainstream movies where you actually show women that have desire whether or not they're going to have sex with that person. Like just on an aesthetic level, like that's a beautiful man. Like you just don't see that very often. No, no, they don't. Uh, they, you know, it's coded and like mysterious or something right. like that. I've got to learn more about them. Like, right? You, you right. don't often hear men in films. Like, I need to learn more about her. What makes her tick? Like, right. Yes. Usually exactly. they're 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 satisfied already. So I'm surprised that this one, uh, other than this a uh, Diane Keaton thing that I didn't realize that you had. <laughs> Who knew? Uh, <laughs> yeah. I, I don't mean, think they, I realized it until I watched this movie, and I was, yeah, I'm here for it. So what it, like what what is it like you said this may be your favorite like rom com, uh what what are the the like the elements of it that were because it I wondered about that if people would classify it as like a great rom com because it does slip into melodrama mm-hmm. a little bit just because of the the point in their respective lives that these two are meeting like the, the stakes are a little bit higher because well for one of them he's <laughs> near death every time he experiences like a breakup with dying <laughs> every people. time he sees her in public yeah. oh god i'm dying um there's a lot of things i like about it one of the things that stands out to me is usually in a romantic comedy when a woman or a man has a choice of two prospective partners there's an obvious choice right there's like your lead character you should definitely be with him why are you with that loser over there usually it's some ex-boyfriend that's treated them really poorly and in this you get that it's a hard decision and it would be very easy for this movie to to ring false when she leaves the beautiful keanu reeves for jack nicholson like okay that doesn't make sense but it the movie gives itself an out where basically keanu's character says like i saw the way you are with him i saw the way you engage with him you obviously are still in love with him. So it gives her the opportunity to take all that in and to come back to Jack Nicholson instead of him being like, no, let me give you my my last my last speech of like why you should be with me. I like the fact that the reason she ends up with him is that her current partner sees that she's in love and that's the right choice. It's the honorable and best thing to do for everyone involved. And that's a... That's a route you usually don't see in romantic comedies. The grand gesture here is like him showing up in France, tracking her down. And instead of getting upset and leaving because Keanu Reeves is there, he makes the choice to stay and to have good food and good wine and good conversation with two good people. And it's a really honorable thing for Jack Nicholson's character to do. That's kind of unexpected, but it makes sense with the like, the journey at the end of the film that he's been on, where he's like gone through the trouble of kind of researching figuring out like, where did I go wrong with all of these women? I'm hearing the same story over and over again. There's one common denominator here is me and I have to fix this or I'm going to be sad and alone for the rest of my life. And he makes that change without her, which I also think is important. It's not like, well, this woman nagged me until I, until I fixed myself. No, he's like, something is wrong with me and I need to fix that. Yeah, it's actually like, uh, it's interesting you say that because for most of the film, it's Jack nagging Diane Keaton mm-hmm. to like, why do you do this? Why do you, why stop do you... wearing turtlenecks? Why are you so uptight? Yeah. yeah. Um, or, or just like, like the, uh, the, the breakfast in the middle of the night type thing. Where it's like, and that's not him nagging, but it's him 
you know, he's scratching at the door, right? He's the one that initiates the little cutesy, the like pajama uh, party. It's very chat. cute. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I thought, I, I like... thought you would love that sequence just because of references to you've got mail, their little instant messenger conversation. I was like, Mike, Mike must be eating this shit up right now. I mean, it's, you know, that's, that's putting a Titan, a Titan of the, the, the field here. Um, Your favorite romantic comedy. I know. Yeah, it, it may very well be. It's certainly the one I talk about the, a the lot. most. Yes, uh, it's got Steve's on. I mean, that's uh, that's true. Kind of puts we've, it over the top. We cracked the code. Yeah. Um, I, I, you know, I, I think this one, it's funny to me because like you look at the runtime and it's like she's pretty much on point, like two hours, seven minutes, two hours, eight minutes, two hours. That is minutes. her wheelhouse, man. <laughs> this one feels much longer to me than the others, but it's much um, broader in general. Like it covers more ground. Yeah. And I think that also has to do like if you're going to make a romantic comedy with older leads, there's going to be fuller lives there than if you're you're focusing on 20 somethings in the advertising world. Right. There's more history. You know, he well, has all his girlfriend. She has her daughter, like her specific moment where, where Mel has superpowers. Like, you know, that's, right. that's it. That's right. We're going to end it as soon as he loses those powers and, you know, has his final amends that he makes. Um, but yeah, it felt longer, but not necessarily in a bad way. Like mm-hmm. I, this is one that I have revisited over, over the years. Uh, thankfully, because I, maybe I just didn't want the, 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 the horror of those, those wailing women. In the theater <laughs> you have to get new memories. You got to build something new. I understand. God, the image in my head is so, especially knowing you and Jared, like, wow. <laughs> and it was one of those things where it's like, do we like get up in the middle of it? Like, I, right. They're going to notice. Are they going to attack us? If we leave, are they going to attack <laughs> us? If we stay, I shouldn't be seeing this. There was a podcast I once listened to like way back in the day, like we're talking like 2005 or six, uh, where I think I was even like burning podcasts on CDs, like for my like car rides, like, (laughs) yeah. uh, And I remember them like talking about like, (laughs) like someone coming in, like while they were doing it, like, you know, having their little setup. So imagine podcasting back Mm. then, it's like how strange it was. (laughs) They compared it to masturbation where it's like, do you just like keep going or do you stop or what? Like what's the problem? Just don't make eye contact. There just... was there was a lot of the deer in the headlights with me and Jared looking at each other like, do we just get up and go? Or like they're you know, is that gonna make it worse? Like that we're sort of outed? Like I look at those two young idiots leaving the theater during this like this like pivotal moment like in our lives together. But that's also why I like that Nancy Myers plays that more for for laughs at a certain point. You know, there's a pressure valve that I think she releases here. And there's mm-hmm. a little bit of that with the Jack Nicholson character, too. Like, even when he shows up with the younger woman, I actually kind of like, not his excuse, but I, I sort of like his, like, hey, I had a life. Before this, like, mm-hmm. the two ships in the night that went on with my, like, heart attack. Like, that was a weekend getaway that extended into this, like strangely meaningful development in my life late in my life with this woman than I never would have anticipated. I mean, he shows up with her fucking daughter and like ends up having sex with the mom, like, and everyone's cool with it. And I love like like, they put up this, you know, in order for, I guess us not to get grossed out by it. The daughter's like, well, we didn't fuck. So it's okay. You should totally date him. (laughs) It's not weird. I'm like, yeah, but y'all did everything, but it's still a little weird. (laughs) Like, come on. I mean, I guess you, at that point, you know, it's a film, hurdle. 
for sure. Look, the film could be improved, Dave. I agree. If you bring Francis McDormand to come in and give like, look, we're all progressive. We're all liberal minded here. People, we can handle this. Like give another pep talk. Yep. Yep. Slap Amanda Pete and Diane Keaton on the ass. And then they go back into the huddle and you're like, <laughs> you know, they're ready to go. Get to work. Well, this is another kind of back-to-back huge successes for Nancy Myers. I don't know how much The Parent Trap made. I don't know if it had a big release, but, you know, the last movie we talked about, What Women Want, made a lot of movie, uh, made a lot of money. And this movie made almost $300 million worldwide Jesus, on an $80 million budget. So, you know, for people who there who aren't the biggest fans of Nancy Myers, if you're wondering why she keeps making movies, she keeps getting these movies. Because she is tapping into something that people really like and really engage with and pay a lot of money for. We didn't even talk about the kitchens uh, in this movie. That is the one thing that people talk about most with Nancy Myers is the incredible kitchens. And there is a whole sequence, you know, designed around the kitchen. This, you know, this pajama party that mm-hmm. Jack Nicholson and, and Diane Keaton have. Um, but again, we kind of talked about, I think in the Parent Trap episode, about how it, like, Makes makes it very clear that these are fantasies and that these people are doing very well for themselves. You have Jack Nicholson's character who owns 10 record companies, so he's probably a billionaire. And you have Diane Keaton, who is an internationally renowned playwright. So she's probably doing pretty well for herself, too. So I like the fact that they explain that. And they, so, they also explain the fact that these people have all this fucking free time. You know, because like he's probably got underlings working at the record company and she works at her own pace and as as an artist. So it allows it allows the movie and the characters space and it allows them time to breathe and to kind of build this relationship. And I like that a lot of romantic comedies, there's the meet cute and the characters end up together very quickly. And as you as you kind of mentioned about how kind of this movie feels longer, it really takes its time before these characters end up together. And how many movies also do we have a sex scene and both characters break down and cry at being overwhelmed by it? Like, you just I don't you, see man, that. You're bringing back those, like, it's like Vietnam flashbacks. I mean, it's 21 watching this. Where I'm like, oh my goodness, what is Jack doing? What is this? Why He's weeping see, now. Again, huh? this is why I'm very glad I didn't see this when I was 20. And because I think it's a very different experience as a 35 to 45 year old than it is as a 20 year old kid where like maybe you've had romantic relationships, but you haven't had a lasting romantic relationship or you haven't had like these long periods where you haven't been with anyone and you've kind of built your own life. Like she has that whole discussion about how it, you know, he loves to sleep alone. And for her, that was the biggest hurdle. That was the biggest difficulty after her marriage ended is having to kind of, you know, recalibrate and be like, well, okay, my biggest decision now is like, I need to sleep in the middle of the bed. I don't have to pick a side anymore. And that was like a big moment for her. And I like that they're coming at living alone from very different places because she was in a relationship where she was married and she had a kid and they were building a life together. And I think you get the feeling that Harry never had that. Like that was never a thought in his head until he met Erica. That like, oh, maybe I could actually build a life with someone and sleep with someone and not just have sex with them. Like for him, sleeping is something I do alone. <laughs> I don't invite anyone over for that. So I got I got married in my uh, 30s, and uh, I had a conversation with my dad. I told him, you know, I'd propose to Brittany. And... Better pick the right side of the bed, son. <laughs> he didn't say that. He just said, well, you almost made it. 
it's like you know he was waiting to see how long i could i could run hold that out race. yep yeah uh so that's you know jack jack was doing that thing and i mean that you have a conversation where he's being interrogated and talked about at the dinner table uh without <laughs> that is a asking him rough, questions that is a rough scene yeah. like it's interesting because you understand where all these women are coming from but there's still a part of you and maybe just because it's jack you're kind of like hey ease up it's like He's not that bad. And he'd probably tell you. He'd probably give yep. you the, the, the and, straight truth. And even the daughter later is like, man, if you just give him a chance, he's really a nice guy. He's fun to be around. But you guys are like, the knives are out <laughs> at that dinner table. It is rough. I mean, the knives are out when they're going shopping for the dinner earlier in the day. Yeah, of course, that's why I don't it doesn't help that like... Jack is like, you know, sucking on an ice cream cone while staring at her daughter's ass. That's maybe not the best move in that situation Look, but if you listen to our previous episode i would never do that outside judy greer's window never <laughs> it's lewd never i agree i would just be there you know in case some in case something happened you, know, you just, just want to protect her i understand yeah yeah um yeah i mean I, I never get the impression watching this that what he's saying is like bullshit or a line like and he has he has some you know things that sound like lines he's given a Diane Keaton. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I think she says that he's like, where another character says he's like strangely like soulful and you don't expect mm-hmm. it. Like he catches you off guard. It still um, feels honest. Even those moments where they're lines, it still feels yeah. like it's almost like he's surprising himself by what he's saying. It's just like, these words are just coming out of his mouth. He's well, like, who said that? You know, I both know like older people and they almost, they, usually in film and probably in life you're encountering old men that have gotten far too comfortable with just saying whatever's on the <laughs> whatever they want yeah who's going to challenge them at no this filter who's going to check me it's just... yeah and i i feel like he's a no filter character but he's genuinely like a nice guy so mm-hmm. he's not just crass and he's he's right. he says he's an old dog when he's talking about like trying to like sleep with her like sleep in a bed with her mm-hmm. like he's actually having to like force himself to like get out of his comfort zone his habits and i that's why i kind of like the breakup in this movie even though it is you know kind of sucker punches you as like when he goes back to the city like you know he's he has avoided loneliness by just having these like even if you just want to say they're just friendships, which they very well could be like, you know, the Amanda Pete thing, they're going to her vacation home, but they've not had sex yet. So it's like, he's comfortable with just like hanging out with people, but it's like, he is a man that's like really fighting the fact that he never sell down. And so he has to hang his, you know, hat at night by himself. He's alone. And like, I don't know if the film ever taps in that directly, but I think having Jack Nicholson weep after sex is probably more than I could bear already. So I don't need to see him <laughs> well, alone in his I, townhouse weeping. I would argue that they tap into it with his journey, like kind of leading up to the end of the movie, um, where him like kind of tracking down all of his exes, going through his 27 black books, <laughs> all these numbers and like tracking them down and, kind of talking about the mistakes he made. And of course, you know, they, I feel like they, they do kind of an easy cheat of him. Like, Oh, he's clearly really thinking about things. He's grown a beard. Now it's, it's serious. He's really delving into delving into his personality here. Uh, but I think he, they do a good job with it, with his explanation of it. Like, I think if you don't have that scene in Paris where he explains why he's doing what he's done, then you're kind of like, did you learn anything? But Nicholson's performance here, I did you just take a lap around all of your conquests? <laughs> right, I was like that was right, great. <laughs> right, let's play the hits again. And I think it's you know, and I looked up old reviews of this, and there's some negation of the movie because they're like, well, Jack Nicholson and Diane Keaton, they're just playing themselves. And I think 
that's unfair. I think at some level, yes, they are playing familiar characters to their personalities. But I think both of these performances are really excellent. And there's actually a fair amount of depth to both performances. It's not just Jack being Jack. Jack being Jack would not weep after sex. Jack being Jack would not go and find her in Paris and then just sit there while she's flirting with her young lover. Like he would just leave, you know? So I think there's, there's some extra here to these performances. Like uh, Nancy Myers does know what she has in these actors, but I think she asks, asks them to go a little bit deeper. And I think it, it really helps the movie. Just uh, no more scream crying, yes. caterwauling. Yes. That's, that's all. That's <laughs> the definition of caterwauling. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, this movie really works for me. Uh, I think I'm going to go watch it again right now. It's fantastic. Uh, Jeez. But I think, I think, you know, we have more Nancy Myers movies coming up, right? Like you're speaking gonna... of the next movie we are checking out and I kind of wish it was her latest movie so we could have it right around Christmas. Uh, but we are going to watch the holiday. I think, you know, one of Mike's favorite, favorite romantic comedies. So. I put it on every Christmas season. So yeah. yes, along with you've got mail. Yeah, that is quite that's quite the double feature there. Do you count You've uh, Got Mail as a Christmas movie or not? Because it ends in springtime, so I don't know if that counts. But oh, it's a hundred percent. It's a hundred percent a Christmas movie. Okay. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Because I mean, not to get too into the weeds with You've Got Mail, but like, there's a little bit of a time jump, and then it wraps up later. But it is most of the movie takes place during Christmas, so that but the holiday for sure. Yes. Um, I mean, it's literally called the holiday. I think it's safe to call it a Christmas movie beat yourself up too much you know if we were doing it like movie studios we would have this come out in the first of november or something right after halloween it's true we're still early yeah absolutely so stay tuned to our next episode where i get to uh hate on jack black all over again so look forward to that that is and mike will defend his honor i'm sure um so uh on jack black like in doing it early dude in the preview that's right ready get ready get get prepped for that uh, so if you'd like to hear more from us, check out our Twitter at directed by pod, or if you want extra bonus content, like some of these interviews with our experts, like Manish Mathur of it pod to be you, which you will have heard on this episode, uh, then go to patreon.com slash a podcast directed by. Uh, 